looking to accelerate your acting career, to stand out from the pack, join host Frank Fawcett as we ignite your acting career. Our show is 100% listener supported. So if you've gotten anything out of the show, please consider supporting Ignite Your Acting Career at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ignite Your Acting Career. Or you can do a one-time donation at Cash App. Cash App is dollar sign Fawcett Media. Um, By doing this, this will keep us uh, bringing you the content that you love from Ignite Your Acting Career. Uh, We've got all types of levels uh, all the way from $5 monthly to $100 per month. You get general uh, support, ad-free content. You can get a one-on-one career console with me, live streams, added content. It's going to be really nice over there. So go ahead and subscribe on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ignite Your Acting Career. Hey, this is Frank Fawcett, host of Ignite Your Acting Career Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Uh, got a real special thing I wanted to do for a couple weeks now. I wanted to do a kind of reaction to um, one of the great acting teachers, Larry Moss. Larry Moss is uh, Larry Moss is an American acting teacher, director, and acting coach. He wrote the acting textbook, The Intent to Live. This book right here, The Intent to Live, Larry Moss. And um, he's directed numerous theater productions, and most most notably The Syringa Tree and Holding the Man. Um, he studied craft under Stella Adler and Sanford Meisner and Warren Robinson. Uh, Robertson, uh, his credits include uh, being... Uh, acting coach on many, many numerous projects as well as acting in projects as well. And just an all around great teacher. I wish I had the opportunity to study with him. Um, He he still has a studio that um, continues his work to this day. So shout out to you. And without further ado, we're going to do a little reaction a legendary acting coach in studio with us tonight to talk about the craft. My guest this evening has been an actor and an acting coach for over 30 years and is one of the most sought-after coaches of our time, having worked with Leonardo DiCaprio, Helen Hunt, Hilary Swank, just to name a few. He has authored the book, The Intent to Live, which has received many positive endorsements. One from Jason Alexander reads, Larry continues to inspire me to search fearlessly for the truth in the character this I'm is not Larry Moss right here. This being. is the guy that's interviewing him. This profoundly gifted, articulate teacher. He is a godsend, as is evident in his book, The Intent to Live. I'm looking very forward to this conversation with Mr. Larry Moss. Me too. Larry, thank you for joining us tonight. Hi, Jeff. Very much looking forward to this. So Me let's, too. Well, good. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Me too. I said the same That's thing. true. Looking forward to whatever it is. As well, you shouldn't. Right? Okay. So let's talk about an actor coming to L.A. Oh, it doesn't have to be L.A. It can be anywhere. They want to pursue the dream of acting. There's three different major, maybe major categories of acting. Maybe there's more. But let's talk about focus on cold reading, scene study, and improvisation. Uh, what should this novice, this beginning actor, start, start with first on their journey? Great question. When I first came to New York when I was barely 19, my first teacher was uh, Sanford Meisner. 
And Sandy Meisner taught being aware of the other person, mm. putting your attention on the other person, watching their behavior. Like right now, Jeff, you're nodding at me, you're encouraging me, now you're smiling at me, now your eyebrows moved up. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm observing your behavior. Being and observed. Because I'm doing that, I'm not really interested in what's going on with me. I'm not self-conscious. And I think Sandy Meisner brought that wonderfully uh, to actors to get rid of a lot of inhibition automatically simply because their attention was on something else. So, yes, that is a very key point. Um, certain, certain activities in acting are to allow you to shut your brain off and focus on the person you are acting with. So important, such an important skill, so simple, but so many people miss it as a key fundamental to acting. So continuing on. When you say to me, what should a young actor do? It worked very well for me in that I worked in a, in a, in a you know, wonderful uh, school that Sandy taught and the great Bill Esper, a uh, wonderful teacher in New York taught. Um, and um, uh, it, it, it was the beginning of me not being so aware of myself that I couldn't function because I came into the acting with a lot of tension, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of uh, mm -hmm. um, inhibition and terror. And my body had so uh, pushed it down. My body had, had, had consumed so much fear that I was really a defense mechanism against expressing the fear, which of course came out as terror. Right. And uh, these exercises about being uh, also breathing, that was something that was so huge for me because what I found out is if I breathed, I'd, I'd start to get emotional. So those two things I had to learn early on that I You'll learn as an actor, uh, your breath and emotion are very closely interlinked and connected. And yeah, he's, he's not lying when he says that if you, you start to have some anxiety and, you know, breathe in a certain way, it will uh, cause you to become emotional, probably not in a good way. You want to be able to control it. So moving on. I think all young actors need to be aware of how do I get unselfconscious, and that is by putting my attention on someone else and letting myself have free, complete, deep breathing. Yeah. Uh, you, you notice when people get very emotional, what you're aware of a lot is they, uh, they breathe. <laughs> Suddenly they start breathing because they, they, they can't defend it muscularly and the breath starts to get free and more emotion comes up. Uh, so I hope that answers the question. Well, would you say then, okay, so a program that focuses on getting your attention off yourself onto someone else, you, you would want to look for that. In a You'd program. want to look for that. You'd want to uh, go to an excellent vocal coach, meaning a mm -hmm. vocal production coach. Uh, there's a great teacher named Patsy Rodenberg from uh, England who does an enormous amount of workshops all over the world. And she works primarily on Shakespeare, but she also works on how to breathe. You know, when you talk to Judy Dench or, or Daniel Day-Lewis or any of the great British actors, they talk about how at the beginning of their training, they were taught how to breathe and support the tone of their voice right away. And yes, that was one of the mainstays in my acting program, breathing, breathing exercises, are crucial and and many of them you know like we had at one point we had three different classes just about breathing 
So yeah, <laughs> it's important, guys. Unfortunately, in America, we don't do that enough. And well, in America, we do sometimes. And that's why so many of the young actors sound like they're, you know, teenagers. Would you say then uh, improvisation is a good first thing to look at? Because there's no script. You're not cold reading. You're not worried about, you know, getting your lines. You're not worried about well, memorizing your lines. Well, part of the Meisner work is all improvisation uh, in, in this um, uh, and Sandy Meiser's written a book that, that people can read, but he talks about uh, repeat exercise. If you say to me, uh, you're wearing a hat, and I say, I'm wearing a hat, you're wearing a hat, I'm wearing a hat, uh, now you're smiling at me, I'm smiling, you're smiling, I'm smiling, and it becomes an improvisation working off of behavior, therefore you are not uh, worried about lines, the lines are being fed by the behavior. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, oftentimes, an actor's work will kind of have this kind of movement, this growth, this growth. Mm -hmm. When an actor reaches a, maybe a plateau spot where their, their work is leveling off, um, is that a matter of technique? Is it psychology? Is it both? When the acting goes dry? When, when it plateaus, when, when they're not progressing, advancing. as an, Well, when that's when they haven't fallen in love with writing. The key to having a long career and an exciting career is falling in love with writers. Yes. And uh, one of the things that Stella Adler, one of my great teachers, taught me was uh, to study the playwright. So we would do six weeks on Tennessee Williams and then six weeks on George Bernard Shaw and then six weeks on uh, William Inge. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you began to uh, understand uh, all the great early writers uh, from the 1800s, uh, Henrik Ibsen and, uh, and August Strindberg. This, this dedication to... We used to... One of the first things we did in undergrad, shout out to Gary Hopper, was we started learning just names of the important playwrights in his mind and, and playwrights that we would know and put it into our exercises just so we gave them their deference. And that's huge because I, I ended up then investigating who these people were down the line and what type of work they, they had put out. And like, I've always kind of had a fascination with writers. Like I get wrapped up in, you know, the August Wilson's and the Pinter's mammoths and, you know, all these great writers, Shakespeare, of course, but that was a given. But uh, yeah, the the importance of the writer in this process um, is, is key. So always focus on um, the writing. That's why some people say, you know, I, I'd like to do the role, but the writing isn't there. Or, you know, or uh, I'm, I'm going to do this because this writer wrote it. You know, sometimes you can take that on face value and and uh, sometimes you end up with some great results. But yeah, even though theater is the actor's medium, um, the writers are vital. The writer gives you everything. And that is why whether people who are young uh, want to work hard or not, the great actors, the one we'll line up to see, and there are very few, are a Daniel Day-Lewis because he's constantly surprising us, or a Meryl Streep, because they mm. come from the theater, they honor writers. And when I teach acting, I say, this is not an acting class, this is a class about honoring the writer. Young actors must work on great material. So it's fine to take a cold reading class, and it's fine to be on television, but what happens is you start to uh, see life as three pages.
But when you're working on great plays, you see a streetcar named Desire or a death of a salesman um, or, uh, you know, really study Shakespeare and really, uh, you know, when you first start reading Romeo and Juliet and you begin to hear the poetry and how, how uh, uh, adolescent uh, uh, passion is expressed through language, it's so remarkable. And uh, Uta Hagen, who I used to audit her class, she said uh, about Romeo and Juliet, um, is about innocence. Innocence is the inability to understand consequence. Innocence is the inability to understand consequence. That's Romeo and Juliet. When you study plays and you're activated by the ideas of the writer, that's when you get a Daniel Day-Lewis. Meryl Streep did 40 plays at Yale before she ever hit New York. Uh, so um, my, my teaching and my studying was about being honorable to the writer. So that kind of t honoring the writer, working hard, that kind of leads me to a section in your book where you were talking about Stella Adler and the importance of script analysis, right? Because is that kind of where we're, where we're going? That's where we're heading. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I was very confused as a young actor about how to find behavior for, I was very attracted to playing crazy people because I felt crazy, you know, so I, I, I loved playing, you know, idiosyncratic and, you know, uh, bizarre behavior. It was how I felt inside. Um, and I, I fell in love, as many young people do, with, the, uh, you know, Tennessee Williams uh, and Streetcar Named Desire, but I didn't understand how to play Stanley Kowalski or how to play Blanche Dubois. And the great Harold Clerman, who's written a, a wonderful book, uh, several wonderful books, but one called On Directing. Um, and uh, Stella Adler wrote a book on Ibsen, Strindberg, um, and Chekhov. Uh, and they, they break these scripts down into character objectives. So when you take a look at a character who is mentally disturbed, as Blanche Dubois is, what it all boils down to is she's trying to find a safe place. Hmm. What you then begin to see is that every single scene, that character in some way trying to find a safe place, whether she's flirting, demanding, uh, 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 begging, um, uh, uh, toying, whatever active verb she's doing, it's in order to find a place that's safe because she has no money and no place to go. You see how he broke down that character, that iconic character, Blanche Dubois, into her needs, wants, and desires in that very short and succinct way. That's key to the specificity you need when acting. You need to, to distill it down to its fundamental want. And I think that's a, that's a, a key to unlock uh, some of the the nuances in the character and the, the overarching like need overarching overarching something like that anyway carry on it starts to get broken down in a simple and actable way that's human behavior and when you work on great plays you see how much human beings are alike and then the fascinating differences which is the behavior and the background of the character the thing that Stella Adler taught was You've got to understand the Civil War to understand the South of the Tennessee Williams characters. That Alma yeah. and uh, Laura in The Glass Menagerie, uh, Alma in Summer in Smoke, and, and Blanche in, in Streetcar um, were the women who fell. Because in the South, prior to the Civil War, they were called virgin goddesses. 
and they gave parties, and the men had sex with the women slaves, and the, the women were hostesses. Yeah. And they didn't know about the real world. And so when the South ended, when it fell, they were left to go crazy because they only knew about a presentation. They didn't know what it was to be human because that's not what they were supported to be. Mm. To understand poetry, to understand the finest of music, like to understand was how to wear a dress, to understand how to serve a bowl of punch uh, and what fork to use. But that doesn't help you get a job in the world. So all those characters are uh, dysfunctional based on what they were brought up to be, but there was no place to be that anymore. Well, I didn't understand any of that. Stella Adler taught me why... I mean, Vanessa Redgrave says, if you don't understand the social economic realities of the character, their education, how they were raised financially, mm -hmm. and what they did to get an education or not, you cannot play the character. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And Facts. So, in other words... The better you understand the character, the more it break down the script. That can help an actor who's blocked. Are there examples, though, when um, there's something in a character touches something psychologically within the actor, and that's the cause of the block, and it's a psychological blockage? You know, in a funny way, it's very simple. People get shamed when they're young in many different ways. And if you're shamed because you throw a tantrum and you're not allowed to be angry, what do you repress? If you're called uh, a sissy because you're crying um, or for a boy, and if a girl is uproarious and, 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 and uh, assertive or aggressive and they go, that's not feminine, the kids begin to shut down aspects of their psychology, then they decide to be actors. They can't get angry. They can't cry. They can't be expressive because right. they feel they're going to be humiliated. Mm -hmm. And what you, you do is certain kind of physical exercises. To remove all those barriers that we hold up in our lives. And like, you know, I just remember physical exercises where emotion will release from part of your body that you've been holding probably since you were 12 years old. Like, that's how deeply in tune with your instrument you should be as an actor um yeah man it's great stuff i'm gonna skip ahead here um and let him get to the next part there was one point in particular i was really trying to get him to bring different people who come from different walks of life you know uh do you have an accent do you have an impediment i mean laura in the glass menagerie has a the last um uh I always forget this word, uh, uh, when I had no money and I could be hurt physically. And then I had a fantasy of uh, a drunk man pushing a woman into a radiator and having her head crack open and holding her in my arms while she moaned. This is a good point. And have an idea about what the scene's about. And what I do is, for instance, we'll work um, on a, an emotional moment, and I'll say, well, and they're blocked on it, and we'll say, well, let's find an as-if. What could happen to you that maybe has not happened, but could happen that would cause you to be, uh, to weep. And the, the, you know, right now he's trying to, um, he's trying to explain how to get into a deeper emotional life, um, on stage or in front of the camera, uh, by using some sort of, um, sense memory, but even, um, even a further enhancement of that is 
creating sense memory, something you didn't experience, but you actually are able to tap into as an emotional trigger based on things that really did happen to you. So carrying on. It's very irrational what causes different people to laugh or cry or get pissed off. Um, you have to know yourself very well. My, and I wrote about it in my book, when I was 10, I saw a little uh, baby Irish sweater, uh, um, Irish setter uh, run over by a car, and I watched uh, him die. Oh. And when I was watching the quivering flesh of the puppy and the blood uh, and the innocence of the eyes looking at me saying, what's happening to me? I, I don't know what's happening. And what was happening is he was dying. Well, I, I don't have to think of that very much to get emotional. And that happened when I was 10. I have to see the quivering right. flesh. I have to see the blood. I have to see the puppy's eyes. And I start to go. Mm. That's mm -hmm. a real memory. Yeah. On the other hand, I did a part when I was a young actor of a, of a guy who was in a sweatshop uh, in early 1900s and stood up for all the women in the, in the, in the, in the sweatshop and would literally risk his life and his job to, uh, to protect women. So I asked myself as an actor, what could make me that protective of women when I had no money and I could be hurt physically? And then I had a fantasy of a, a drunk man pushing a woman into a radiator and having her head crack open mm. and holding her in my arms while she moaned mm. and died. And that was my mother. And I imagined it. It never happened to me, thank God, but I saw the room, I smelled the liquor on his breath, I, I felt the crack of her skull, I felt her hand, you know, grab mine. And man, every time the, that, 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 that bully in that sweatshop tried to hurt a woman, I mean, I was up like a shot. You hear how detailed he made his, his given circumstances and that, that imagined, uh, reality for him the way he was able to anchor it to his mother even you know even though the active the thing didn't actually happen he was able to detail the smell of the liquor on somebody's breath in the room or in the room the essence of liquor and this radiator and like so graphic and detailed so that he could access it when he needed to on stage, when he saw this person bullying a woman, he, like you said, he snapped him, you know? So yeah, you want to start dropping little breadcrumbs for yourself throughout your performances so that you can get to those moments so that you have something real to attach to that's deeper than just uh, that specific moment on stage. So those are two instances of something that does happen that makes me emotional and something that I imagined. And this is part of the work you would do with an actor? Yes. Prior. Yes. And Anish Farah would like to ask, do you believe that actors should start in sporadic types of roles or work on one type of role, comedy, drama, or action? Does that question make sense to you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, you have a certain emotionality about you, a certain energy about you, and you're attracted to certain stories. You've got to understand what kind of stories you're attracted to, and then you've got to start reading. And if you go to an mm -hmm. acting class, I would say, find a part you love that you're right for, that you could be cast for, and start working on the play every single scene. 
And when you get through with every single scene in that play, then do the opposite of that. If that was a drama where there was a lot of sturm und drang, a lot of crying, a lot of anger, work on a comedy. Then start working on something that has a different accent. I'll give you a very important clue. Your ancestors come from a, from a certain place in the world. My, my blood memory, which Stella Adler used to talk about, is Russian, English, and my mother's from the Deep South. So I have all that blood in me. Well, I have a real affinity for playing English people, Russian people, and Southern people. I always have. You need to find out what blood you come from and work on parts with that blood because you understand it's something in your unconscious mind. It's deeper, yeah. That other people who don't have that blood inside of them uh, would. Right. So I, I, that, that, that's, a, that's a good way to go about studying. And you don't, may not even know what you're good at. You may think you're bad at comedy, and you might be great at comedy. You have to try a lot of stuff out. Oh, yeah. Don't Absolutely. Ever trust. Don't limit yourself. Don't ever trust. That was trust uh, something your, I did early on that I'm very thankful I had a coach who encouraged Don't trust your insecurities on what you think you're good at and what you're not. You don't know, and a lot of times uh, we don't know. A lot of times we think we do so well in an audition, and you stunk it up. A lot of times you think you... Uh, <laughs> didn't do so well and you get the job because they said this is the most amazing performance that they'd ever seen or they saw the potential in you so it's hard to really gauge what's going on inside of you because the, the essence of that is being outside of yourself if if that is the case you're not in the moment so you're not really knowing what's really going on so Urge me to expand. Well, yeah, it's like when people say, oh, you know, you're a character actor, you'll play the funny guy. Well, that's not always true. Sometimes the character actor can have a leading man quality, and sometimes um, a leading man is a real character actor. You know, like Paul Newman, bless him, was a character actor. He was a really handsome guy. But if you take a look at his first movie, he had a breakthrough, and it was playing Rocky Graziano, a price fighter with a broken nose, uh, <laughs> you know, from Brooklyn. And then he, he, then he played uh, a Mexican bandit. And, you know, then he played you know, HUD and some of those sexy guys. But he always went back to characters, which is why he had such longevity as an actor. He was a real actor. So don't be typed. Yeah. Well, we've don't got a typed. great I am that is very synchronistic with the area I was about to go into. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and let the I am-er lead off this part of the conversation. Tornhorn Born would like to ask, what would be the number one tip you could give a director on working with actors and getting their best performance? This is good for all the directors. Um, or we can talk about the communication between actor and director and what's the best and most effective ways for directors to communicate with actors. You know, there's an old saying that... 90% of directing is casting. Right. So if you cast someone that you believe can do the role, get this out of their good. way. Exactly. Basically, don't over-direct. Right. Trust your actor. Mm -hmm. And if you've done your homework as the director, you can tell whether they're going off into a direction that's not helpful to the story. But basically, you know, I know this is true with Sidney Lumet. I know it's true with Clint Eastwood. I know it's true with Woody Allen. They don't say very much. Only when only what's needed, you know. Uh, well, I remember when I was doing a musical on Broadway called The Robber Bridegroom, I had a scene in it where the audience used to like me very much, and I fell in love with their liking me. And the director came back, and I'd been running in it for about six months, and he said, Larry, you know you're the dark color in the show. <laughs> hmm. 
And that's all he said. And I immediately stopped being seductive with the audience and stopped trying to get them to like me because I right. fell in love with that attention. Right. But he just said one sentence, Gerald Friedman. He said, don't forget, you're the dark color in the show. Uh, a good actress, they don't need a lot. Well, yeah. but there's also a lot of actors out there who aren't necessarily good. <laughs> but, but let's talk, I, I know Gerald in your Friedman. book you talk about, Gerald Friedman uh, from Williamstown. you know, specifically yeah. when it comes to direction, a director saying be angry is maybe not as strong of a direction as saying you're annoyed. Well, good actors, you know, and bad actors will only get worse if you say just be angry. <laughs> if you say to the actor, get him or her angry, provoke them. In that provoking them, you're going to have to be aggressive. So you say to the actor who's not operating well, what are you trying to get the other person to feel or do, which I talked about before? What are you trying to get them to feel or do? Put your shoulder behind that. And Excellent. suddenly that bad actor or actress may suddenly find something amazing. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the director's job to inspire the actor to a better performance if the actor or actress doesn't know how to get there. And if you have a bad director, actors, and you're not good, you're in big goddamn trouble. Right. You're in big, big, big trouble. That's why studying is so important. If people read my book, The Intent to Live, there's exercises in that book, which they can do on a daily basis. I'm about to do a reread To crack myself. through these problems. The other thing that's interesting, and I'll tell you that I feel passionately about, is how people try to get things make them very interesting. So people say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, um, I'm going to make fun of you. Or I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to accuse you. Uh, I'm going to indict you. I'm going to, uh, to, um, uh, um, toy with you. you. Well, you go <laughs> and you look in the thesaurus and you look at for all the synonyms for those verbs and you start to go, my God, accuse has 20 synonyms. And for That's every slight nuance and every different word, another behavior comes up. Wow. Now, for some people, this may seem very odd, but just go to a thesaurus and look up verbs and synonyms and then do a physical action, a different physical action for every verb. You'll be amazed. Wow. Yeah, and I guess what you're also getting to is the more specific you can be. Yeah, I mean, there's a great story about Brando when he did Sayonara, and he had to find his best friend and his best friend's wife, who was Asian, then because they couldn't be together, commit harikari. He finds them dead. Mm -hmm. And his line in the movie was, oh my, oh my. And I had a friend of mine who was in that movie, and he went to the set the day that Brando was going to do the oh my, oh my. Okay, so the camera's in a close-up of Marlon Brando. There's a, a, a rice curtain that he, you know, slides. The camera comes in. Now, I mean, you can imagine, Marlon Brando's going to say, oh my, oh my, after finding his best friend dead from suicide with his Asian wife. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Well, I'm, hopefully you'll all go and see. Well, you know what his choice was? <laughs> No. Oh, my. Oh, my. Like two little babies, two little lost babies. Oh, right. my. Wow. 
And when Brando was operating at his best, he would make choices like that. There's 90 ways to say, oh my, oh my. And then there's the most human way. Mm. And the more human and the more specific, as you were saying, Jeff, the more amazing the performance starts to be. Right. There's a great movie uh, starring a great actress, now deceased, named Kem Stanley, uh, called The Goddess. I'm going to let that uh, go for a second. Hey, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm Frank Fawcett. Once again, this is Ignite Your Acting Career podcast. That was the great acting teacher, Larry Moss, author of The Intent to Live, Achieving Your True Potential as an Actor. Go pick that book up. Um, it's a great, one of the great books for actors like us. So thank you for joining me. Um, Hey, if you're on the podcast, um, you know, like, you know, what is it? Subscribe. Oh yeah. Subscribe to our podcast or follow us and catch us here for more acting content. If you're on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. Once again, I'm Frank Fawcett, host of the Ignite Your Acting Career podcast. Thank you for joining me. And uh, you can catch this on the Frank Fawcett YouTube channel. Later.